Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me are Kendra Mauer and Morgana. Tonight is a special night, and we're here to bring you a measure of holiday cheer. No, we're not. Uh, yeah, no, we're here to ruin Christmas. If you're into heartwarming holiday special episodes, maybe you should uh, go listen to something else. Because we're here to talk about the darkness from whence Christmas came. Now, to be clear, we've got nothing against joy, happiness, giving gifts, baking cookies, the return of light and love and the sun or Jesus's birth or any of that. Well, you do have this baby Jesus thing. Yes, I do. So, I can't help it that Jesus didn't really show up until Christmas and the nativity scenes get put out way before Christmas and in the interest of accuracy. I must remove baby Jesus from the scene. Now, I, he doesn't go far. My mom sets up like, I don't know, 12 manger scenes. So every year I make it a point of showing up a little early before Christmas so that I can make sure that her nativity scenes are relatively accurate. So sometimes I swap the baby Jesuses and sometimes I just move them to another room and let her find them. So you're like baby Jesus's travel agent. Yes, I am. And as soon as we're able to travel again, Jesus and I are going to go on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I love it so much. It's like the gnome, except it's going to be Jesus. Yes. The it traveling. is like the gnome. Yes. And I plan to bring baby Jesus to Norway with me when we finally get to go. So Excellent. that's, that's going to be, fa you need to bring all the baby Jesuses because I want to see some poor TSA person oh. wondering why this carry on is full of strange A backpack full of baby Jesus backpack of Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. That there is a, there's a song in that backpack. There of Jesus. is backpack full of baby Jesus. At least it won't be bricks of cheese and phone chargers. That's which true for our listeners. That looks like C4 and a bomb in your backpack. Don't do it. It's embarrassing. <laughs> they, okay. They pull, they pull you aside and yell at you with the TSA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would it would be roughly the same density as C4 on a It is. Yeah, it is. And it is really it was really good cheese, so it's kind of worth it. I mean, I'm not judging you. I would bring back a backpack of cheese from pretty right? much anywhere I went because cheese is awesome. Brown yeah. cheese. Oh, yeah. I will bring home brown cheese, but I'll put it in my luggage and not in my carry-on this time. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's good. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, the fact remains that Christmas comes around at the darkest time of the year. Um, except if you read the Bible, Jesus was probably not born in the winter in December near the darkest time of the year. Because, and we know this because... In the Gospel of Luke, it says, And in the same country 
Shepherds were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. So why were there shepherds out in the field? The only time there are shepherds out in the field is when the sheep are having babies. So when they're having their lambs, there are shepherds out there because sheep, for whatever reason, are one of the livestock that requires midwifery more than other kinds of livestock. And so you kind of have to go and, and make sure nothing gets stuck. They often have twins or triplets, and, and that can be a little bit problematic. And once they're born, there's wolves. And wolves mean eaten babies, eaten mamas. You lose your sheep. It's crappy. So that's why we know that baby Jesus was baby Jesus in the spring, not the winter. But why did they choose to move the birth of Christ to the winter? The Romans and were having There's two fun. reasons. One is because Saturnalia was really, really popular in, in uh, Rome. It started on the 17th of December and it went to the 23rd. And that was like a super exciting, wonderful holiday where people got naked in the streets and they gave each other presents and slaves and masters switched places. They had their own little boxing day. They had their own little boxing day. And in fact, if you watched Downton Abbey back in the day, there is a tradition in England that they depicted called the servant's ball, which happens during the Christmas season. And it had happened in England and it was a thing. And so the servants and the masters would dance together. And, and it was this whole sort of exchange of places the, it's the whole topsy-turvy thing. That is directly from Saturnalia. That came all the way from Rome and made it all the way to Downton Abbey. And, also, uh, didn't Saturnalia involve beating each other with twigs? Yes. Hostility, yes. Which comes all the way into the modern era in some parts of the of world. Of Christmas celebrations. Yep, yep. It's still there. And... And that's part of it. So what happened when, when Rome became Christianized, people wouldn't give up Saturnalia because it was a lot of fun. Because you had your orgies, you had your gift giving, you had your masters and slaves switching switching places, you had drunkenness and, and all the stuff. So people wouldn't give that up. That was part of it. But I think the biggest part of it was that it was symbolism. I think that... It was because the solstice, the winter solstice is the longest night in, in, the, in the year. And then the next day is the return of the light. And so in, in um, Rome, December 25th was called the festival of Dies Natalis Solus Invictus, the birth of the invincible sun. And so you have the victory of light over darkness with the birth of light in the world. And in the Eastern Orthodox Church, the sun, S-U-N, and the sun, S-O-N, play on words, is used as meaning the same thing, essentially, that, that the son of God is the same thing as the sun in a, in a sort of symbolic religious sense. How so very that, raw of them. Yes, yes. It's, 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 this is this is just the time of year when we 
it's dark, it's frightening, and then the sun returns. So that's probably why they decided, hey, we can't get rid of Saturnalia and uh, the Festival of Solus Invictus, so let's put the birth of Christ there. It also very conveniently puts the birth of Christ opposite of Easter with the death and the resurrection, which is really nice. I mean, not really nice. Not that he died, but it's symbolically (laughs) wonderful. I know, right? I'm going to dig myself out of this one now. (laughs) (laughs) The dead. I know. Um, So there's that. And at this time, this dark time of year, there's also traditionally lots of what we call signs and portents. And that's where we get into lights in the sky. Like the Star of Bethlehem, which is one of the more famous lights in the sky and sign important, um, which I find fascinating because uh, nobody was really sure to this day what exactly the Star of Bethlehem is or was. Um, It's been kicked around a little bit in UFO circles as, oh, it was probably a UFO. Um, and there have been plenty of very devout people, uh, devout Christians who've pondered what exactly the Star of Bethlehem is. Um, and some of them have come up with a pretty good explanation, which is that it was a conjunction, much like the one we have coming up which I find fascinating that everybody's like, oh, it's been 800 years since Jupiter and Saturn showed up together. Wee! And it's totally the Christmas star. And I am not saying it's not the Christmas star. And of course, that- Jesus was born longer ago than 800 it- years. Just- exactly. I was about to say, but Jesus wasn't born 800 years ago and it's the wrong time of year for it to have happened in December, but we're just going to... Yeah. It, it begs the question, though. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? (laughs) (sighs) I had to eat a lot of candy to slow that one down. It's okay. Now I'm worried about a rough beast slouching toward Bethlehem to be born. Thank you, Kendra. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there, there is a decent amount of... evidence and suggestion that it was astrological and astronomical phenomena going on that led that what that was the star of Bethlehem and led to the discovery of the baby Jesus although to kind of unhappily point out uh well, sort of to agree with mom that Jesus was probably born in the spring but also possibly rebut it is when Herod had all of the male children killed. They were two years and younger, so he may well have been born in the spring and then was not discovered until December, in which case the Christmas star we're about to see, there was maybe that was something similar that happened in December. Um, there are not a lot of awesome records about stars. I got I ended up going down a rabbit hole about the Star of Bethlehem, and I'm going to try and wrap this up sooner rather than later because... <laughs> I got distracted. 
There's going to be a blog post, people. Seriously. Well, <laughs> Brace yourselves. The blog post <laughs> is coming. Well, I went all the way back to the prophet of Micah. Uh, I'm not sure why, except Matthew was saying some stuff. And I was like, yeah, Matthew, where'd you get that info? And then, you know, Micah actually started that whole thing with uh, his prophecies um in the book of micah he's a prophet he's an early prophet um but anyway so it could have been astrological phenomena and i'm saying astrological because back then astronomy and astrology were pretty much the same thing yeah and the magi were quite likely to have been astrologers wise men from the east astrologers from arabia in the arabian peninsula where they had been studying the stars for a very, very long time. And we know that they went to Herod. Well, the Bible says they went to Herod. This is not necessarily a we know. I apologize to all Christians. I'm not attempting to offend you. But that is not a great primary source document. Right. Um, and I include many other things in not great primary source documents. Um so according to the story, you know, the three wise men followed the star and went to Herod and said, hey, this star means something really serious. This means a great king has been born and is going to arise, which incidentally meshes with the star prophecy from Numbers 2417. Um which I'm going to paraphrase part of it. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So Herod hears them say, look, we've been seeing some stuff in the sky. There's a theory that there were not just this one conjunction. There was around three BCE. There was one with Venus and Jupiter, which is very... That's some impregnated imagery with a great king sort of thing going on because Jupiter's king of gods, Venus is a goddess. It's a fertility and fertility goddess. So the Magi see that. And then nine months later, they see this other conjunction and they're like, whoa. Mm -hmm. So they're Mm -hmm. they're like, let's go find out because that is what curious minded people who stare at signs importance would do i also love that there's three of them because there's three fates in the greek myths and it's just it's the power of three it just crops up in myth and legend all the time and i love that and three points make a plane yes and three is a magic number and three is a magic number um so yeah they follow the star which was said to go before them leading the way, which is where the Eastern Orthodox Church, who, by the way, have the best nativity scenes, because I discovered this, again, went down a rabbit hole, went down a rabbit hole. A literal one. Beautiful baby Jesuses. Um, Says the baby Jesus connoisseur. Yes. Eastern Orthodox Church tends to say that the star itself was an angel, And by going before them, it was actually moving and leading them specifically rather than pointing the way 
as a static point in the sky. And also they bring up a really good point because again, Matthew has an angel show up to shepherds and say, be thee not afraid, which biblical angels are horrifying. Yes. yes. So that angel on your tree, no, that angel on your tree should have multiple wings and four faces on their head and like one of them's an eagle and one's a bull and one's a lion and then the face of a man and angels were not nice they came with fire and sword and did things like sodom and gomorrah okay yeah i'll i'll stick with castiel on my tree thank you yes yeah <laughs> yeah i'm okay with that he's reasonably chill angel by the end of the series <laughs> he had his moments he's very unchill at the beginning yes he's extremely extremely not chill <laughs> if you like me have not watched supernatural that's what they're jabbering about it's yeah. um, <laughs> so it it may the star may have been an angel the star, i like that interpretation i do too mm -hmm. it, it makes sense there was already one angel running around why not more than one exactly um the star may have been a magical star but most people at this point are thinking it was some sort of interesting astronomical phenomena i am of the opinion that like many signs importance it was it was something to do with the stars i mean that's that's what a sign and important was in the classical sense it was the movements of the stars our fates were written in the stars that was why astrology happened i mean even Emperor Constantine had a court astrologer who incidentally was one of the people who came up with this whole, it was a conjunction of heavenly bodies that was the Star of Bethlehem thing way back then, which I think is great. <laughs> that That is, that's closer to an original document that yes, we can I, I, I also have yeah. a soft spot for, for Constantine. In this sign you shall conquer. Yes. Speaking yeah. of, of seeing lights in the sky and, you yeah. know, signs of importance. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's um, lots of, there's lots of lights in the sky in the Bible, not just at Christmas time. Um, but it, it was fairly common, historically speaking, to see lights in the sky around Christmas time as well. So it's not, it's not uncommon. It's a thing. No. Um, and I think... I think that they continue to this day. I mean, there are plenty of people who believe in astronomy, in astrology. I was about to say astronomy, and people should I believe, believe in astronomy. astronomy. <laughs> I, I would hope so. <laughs> <Science is> awesome. <laughs> Copernicus comes to mind. Yes. Kepler. <laughs> Galileo, for that matter. Oh, I know. Poor Galileo. Copernicus didn't have it easy either. So. I know. Nobody did. You know... Which is weird because, I mean, Constantine was fine with somebody being like, science about the Star of Bethlehem. But I guess it just depends on which period you are and which part of the church you're in and which king is in charge or emperor in his case. Or pope or, or pope. whatever. Yeah. That that seems to be history in a nutshell right there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Who's in charge of what at what time? Yeah. And we'll see. The cool thing about signs importance and and ufos and lights in the sky is is uh this year has been kind of a uh kind of a, a dumpster fire 
It's been a dumpster fire of a year. And it it's interesting because Christmas night last year, Morgana and I were cooking Christmas dinner. We made uh, curry. We made Indian food. We made like several kinds of curry. Yeah. Five or six different dishes. And while it was cooking, we decided to sit outside so Morgana could have a cigarette. And uh, we saw something in the sky that started out fairly simply, but it was unexplained. And and I saw it and I was like, am I going to say something? No, I'm not going to say anything. And then Morgana pipes up with, Mom, do you see that light over there in the trees? Which is when she realized we were looking at two different little moving lights. Yeah. We were looking nice. at two different lights up in the sky that were moving around in ways that really were not airplanes. They were dancing. And uh, airplanes were going past it. And sometimes when the airplanes would go past, it would manifest the uh, FAA lights. It would... Oh. Really cool. It would have this a strobe and then the red and the green. And then as soon as the planes were past it, it would stop doing that and go back to, you know, sort of going up and down and around. Oh, and, and yeah, yeah, it was, it was really, really strange. And then we started being like, okay, maybe we're just seeing things. Maybe we're just crazy. So we got, uh, we got Koi, the, the Morgana's younger brother out. And we were like, Hey, Come out here, sit with us. Do you see that light in the sky, mom? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you see it too, huh? Yeah, it's changing colors. And he starts going, it's going from yellow to green to blue. Uh, and it skipped purple and went to red. And now, and then he just kept telling the, the colors. And it would also spit out little tiny lights. Yes, the bigger, bigger lights would throw out very tiny, tiny light globes, which is how we, these, we ran through the rational explanations. We're like, okay, this is our eye movement, making it weird. Am I looking at serious? Too much. Am I looking at serious? Is, you know, there's Orion over there. Is it, it's Venus. I bet it's, nope, Venus is over there. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and yeah. And then, then they were moving way too much and way too dramatically for it to be just our eyes playing tricks or atmospheric disturbance. And also, eyes playing tricks, drones, and conventional aircraft do not just spin around in big circles and then stop and spew out tiny ones. Yeah, nice. that's weird. They don't do that. Yeah, I... We sat and watched them for like a half an hour, and then I had to go in. Minutes. Yeah, minutes. Well, you were out there longer than me because I and Koi stayed out when you went in to check on the curry. Yeah, I, I didn't want to burn the curry because I'm which is when the, the bigger silvery one buzzed the house, and we decided it was time to go inside. Yeah, 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 but yeah, that was weird. I, I was, I was like, you know what? If you're aliens, you're gonna have to forgive me but I'm not burning curry for you. <laughs> I'm uh, not messing up Kimasuk. I'm sorry. I'm just not. And then I bringing it back to signs importance. I remember we were watching them and they were beautiful. 
They were. And they we, were we, just, we kept being like, wow, this is, these are beautiful and this is kind of cool. And then I don't know if I said it first or you said it first, but I remember we looked at each other and we were like, one of us was like, I have a bad feeling that this means something. Yep. I said, I, I, we, we said, I have a, you said, I have a bad feeling. This means something. I said, yeah, I want to know what it's a sign or a portent of. And then look what happened. 2020 yeah. happened. Yep. yep. Very quickly thereafter. And so, I remember when the first reports were coming out about COVID, I was like, I, I wonder if that's what it was. Yep. 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 So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that may be our own particular sign important that happened around Christmas time. Maybe. Or they were just out having a party. I don't know. And we're just superstitious and correlation-y. Yeah. Correlation does not mean causation, but it does yeah. mean correlation. And it, it's kind of almost like, I may be wrong in my thinking, but like a chicken egg kind of thing. Are you more aware of the things, COVID aside, does something like that make you more aware of the quirks of life around you? So you start picking out the patterns because now you're expecting it. You yeah. know, I wonder about things like that. If it a sign important, what if it is just this happened, you know, there was a supernova and suddenly all these things went wrong. Is it that the supernova made people focus on what could go, what was going on around them? I mean, yeah. like I said, COVID notwithstanding, but. Well, and I, I think that, is uh, particularly with the star of Bethlehem. I think that's mm -hmm. kind of what happened was yeah. three dudes showed up and told Herod, Hey, yo. And then Herod got all hinky. About and then it. Herod took matters into his own hands and got a little murdery, got very murdery. Yeah. Which is another strain in Christmas. Actually, there's a lot of death wrapped up in Christmas and Christmas tradition and dead children. Lots yes. of dead babies. And yeah. actually, just to kind of foreshadow a little bit, um, in Nor uh, Norwe Norwegian times, because I'm screwing everything up now, um, during the Norse celebration, it was like the visitation of the dead. It's like their day of the dead when the darkest night of the year, the dead would come and revisit. And there's a thing about leaving beds open for them to sleep in. Yes. So I thought that was interesting, too. Yes. And uh, in in Germany, in uh, the Alpine areas of Germany, southern Germany, particularly around Bavaria, there are visitations of little lights, and they are the Heimchen, and mm -hmm. those are the the little unbaptized babies, right. and they follow around with Perkta, who mm -hmm. is a winter spirit or witch or beautiful lady who as she checks in on everybody and makes sure that all the girls did their spinning. Um, she's basically kind of like Frigga and Freya sort of mixed together and diminished a little bit, not quite so big and scary goddess like, but more like a, a woodland witch. Does she get destructive? Yes, oh, yeah. yes. That's Lucy. Uh, Lucy Longnight is that in the uh, Norwegian? Yep. I keep saying Norwegian. I mean to say Norse, Old Norse, that kind of thing, but I screw it up every time because I do. That's okay. 
but yeah, the Heimchen are often seen as little ghostly children following Perkta around and they have, they carry candles or lights and that's their spirits. And also if you see little lights at Christmas time in the woods at Yule time in the black forest region, those are considered to be the Heimchen and they're following Perkta around, you know, lots of, lots of stuff that we think about as Christmassy comes from Yule which is the old Norse winter celebration, celebration. of sorts. Yeah. yeah. E- even that had has from what I've come to understand, it, it's kind of a mix. Um, Cause you have the positive things and then you have the horrible things. And it's been an interesting journey as I, as I do the research and as I, I speak with my family out there Um so in Norway, originally it was called Yule. Christmas it translates to Yule, J-U-L. And they have a thing where you can, where you refer, they refer to drinking Yule. Drink, it also means beer, which is where Ol came from, which is Norwegian for beer. But there was a requirement to drink and even brew beer for Christmas and you could be checked on for it. You were, um, and touching on with touching with Lucy, you had to, Lucy was the, I want to say demon. That's the only word I have really right now where she would come in and, and check in to make sure you did all your thatching and your brewing and your baking and all the things you had to get done to be prepared for the Christmas time. And if you didn't have it done, she could trash the place. Sometimes she'd just knock your chimney over, and that was that. Um, yeah. But that's, she. That's Perkta. Yeah, it's the same yeah, thing. That's what I was like, you know what? Yeah. Um, now it's St. Lucia, who's an Italian person. Um, I don't remember the full story on that one um, because I was so down the rabbit hole with Lucy. What <laughs> <It> happens <laughs> with this subject? It does. But um, originally, Lucy came on December 17th. And I wonder if that wasn't in part because when you live in a place that reaches 24-hour darkness for several days, you don't have one day that you can say, hmm, this night is darker than the night before that was only a little less darker, a little less dark than that night. And it's been dark for a month, so we're going to call it this day. Yeah. Um, Although the seventeenth is the beginning of Saturnalia. It, exactly. So, so I always. Yeah. You know what there is. Hmm. That's another rabbit hole to dig. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, she would bring in, bring along with her the trolls, the um, hold the folk, um, and just. Be, it was part of the wild hunt and yep. Thor and Odin and all of them got involved to Thor with his uh, chariot pulled by goats, Freya with her cats. It was just a, a, a night where you as a human stayed the hell inside because yes. you could be kidnapped and never seen again or dumped off someplace you've never been before and you had to find your way home. Yeah, absolutely. So, the and same thing happened in Germany. Yep, still and does. In the Alpine region and still does. Mm-hmm. Um, the Furious Army. 
Mm -hmm. would go out in the Christmas season. Um, and it would be the ghosts of the dead. Not necessarily like all the same kind of dead, but they, you know, the Furious Army and the Wild Hunt would go out, the Heimchen would be out, and you would do things like if a house was in their path and you knew it, you would leave the front and back doors open. You would so leave they could the both out. Because if, and if you built in the path that they walked every year, terrible yes. shit would happen to your house and you just kind of knew not to do that. Yeah. They had, they had specific ways that they walked and specific paths that they rode. And you weren't necessarily supposed to look upon them. And they also, the forest folk would be mixed in with them in some parts of the Teutonic lands. So you, you would have the Fae with the dead again at Christmas. Mm -hmm. Again. Christmas is also the time of the dead. Also... Just an aside, that was the night that the animals would all get together and talk about how crappy their people were to each yes. other. And then they would send <laughs> send the uh, fey folk after them. Like, yeah, sucks. So you like took good care of your animals on that, that day. Is, in Switzerland, yes. in the yep. in parts of the Alps and in Germany, the animals would speak too and you would make sure they were nice or if you were children you would hide by the hayrick to hear and them. like listen nice. because if you heard them speak they would say something secret nice that would like reveal something of import or would be would be important you yeah. know yeah or a sign um there were also signs importance there were specific games you would play at christmas that would like tell you who you're you, you were mary Yep. Um, and it usually had something to do with food or drink. Or, f yes. It was, you would do like something. Like you put like chestnuts drink. in the fire and the first chestnut to pop. You know, you, you'd name each chestnut for a suitor. And the you first know, one to explode. The first one to pop is the one you're going to marry. Or one of them. You would leave out your porridge for Perchta. Which you better. You better leave porridge out for. Yes. She would like, slice your guts open with her thumbnail. Leaving, yes, leaving porridge, I almost said guts, leaving <laughs> porridge out, it's a big thing for the, um, I have it written down and I can't think of the name of them. The Yule Lads? Yule Neeson. The Yule Lads, yeah, Yule Neeson. Yeah, the, the Yule Neeson were, Neeson are little like farm gnomes. Um, some are believed to be like the first owners of that land continuing to take care of their land. And if you mistreat the land or you don't leave an offering, they get mad and start behaving mischievously, like souring your milk and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Letting your grain rot. Yes. That was my favorite. Was yeah. If you offend them, they'll let your grain storage get nasty and then everybody gets ergotism. Yeah, because and then you have then you have visions, and I was going to say, nice. Then you get to see them. Yeah, then you get to see the Nissan, and they're exactly. like, "Exactly, you do." Yeah, in in Norway they're the Nissan, in Sweden they're the Tomten. Tomten, yeah. In um, in Iceland they're unpronounceable, um, but they're they're translated as the Yule Lads, mm -hmm. 
And if you don't feed them and if you don't give them gifts around Christmas time, you, you get into trouble and, and they'll, they'll start stealing stuff in your house and knocking stuff over. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't, and they're, they're in Germany too. I didn't yeah. realize yeah. they were, but they're in Germany too. Yeah. And all of this reminds me of Elf on the Shelf. And I'm just like, is this, you know, Talk about the elf on the shelf. Speak so, it, girl. Speak it. Oh, my it. God. We have a thing with inanimate objects with eyes. So <laughs> a friend of mine introduced the whole elf on the shelf thing to my one of my to my oldest. And I didn't want to do it, but there I was stuck with it. She cannot listen to this podcast. She'll be so mad because she doesn't know the story. So one year, <laughs> I couldn't find that stupid elf. I looked everywhere days are passing so i'm like i i gotta do something so i had i got out a nutcracker and wrote a ransom note from the nutcracker <laughs> to the kids they were holding the elf ransom and every night i would add nutcrackers to this whole <laughs> to the collection so more and more nut nutcrackers would show up in different places around the house and give them chores to do. Like you have to clean your room and maybe your elf will come back. So <laughs> I got a lot of chores done that year. And then, <laughs> and then I found the porcelain angel and the angel started writing hate notes to the nutcrackers. <laughs> it was this whole affair. At one point I had a diaper box set up and it was cut out. It was built like a jail and all the nutcrackers were locked in jail. I think <laughs> this went on for like two or three weeks until we finally found the stupid elf. <laughs> to this day, my kids hate the nutcrackers. I go to put them out and they take them down. They're like, nope. <laughs> so They're kidnappers. So they are. So now, once in a while, Coco the elf shows up in the bathroom. And my youngest won't use that bathroom. She's like, nope. <laughs> I'm going to use the other bathroom. Mm -mm. Elf's watching me. <laughs> I I I dislike the elf on the shelf. I'm not a fan, but the kids seem to get a kick out of it. Although so. the the fair. the mm -hmm. big trend now is all the little gnomes and the the guys with the big hats. Those yeah, the are the Gilneason. The Gilneason. They yeah. they have come to America mm -hmm. and become trendy. I and, know. I'm uh, loving it. <laughs> and we actually have a couple of them, but they stay out all year. We yeah. ours ours are out all the time because yeah. they're cool and they are cool. I yeah. like them. Well, and it's funny because my 13 year old doesn't necessarily believe in this stuff, but she's not ready to not believe. So she just runs with it. It's so yeah. fun. Well, you can you can have she'll listen to this episode and she'll be like, wait, you'll need in, which are like part of y'all's family and your mm -hmm. culture. And like y'all can feed the Neeson. Yeah. And they're cooler than the elf on the shelf. The scary little elf. Although I, I think that the scary little elf, the pervy elf that follows people around and watches people. I think it sits he's, in my bathroom. He's 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 an American version of that. Yeah. It's a it's a commercialized American yeah. elf thing. But because I still, I won't let him in my house though. I don't trust well, yeah, him. Yeah, it, it makes sense. You know, Santa has yeah. elves. Exactly. 
and helpers and they report on your good and bad behavior and they come and do an inventory of you mm -hmm. which is very all of the Teutonic and the Alpine and the Norse Icelandic Norwegian Swedish it's just European the Europeans have this super dark Christmas tradition that they just haven't forgotten the dark parts America Northern with that. Northern mm -hmm. Europeans are just dark. When you live in the Alps, I can see why. And it's, it's a hard <laughs> life out it is. there. Like it is, especially if you're like a twelfth to seventeenth century yeah. farmer or woodman. Yeah. Death will find you, and it's going to be slow and cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking, so you got to laugh now. Speaking <laughs> of. Uh, an old piece of Christmas culture that has found its way to America and become popular. Who feels like talking about Krampus? You can talk about Krampus. I'll talk about the Christmas tree and Santa. Nice. Okay. But do you want me to start with Santa and then you can go to Krampus? Because yes, they kind of go together. You start with Santa and then I will jump in with St. Nicholas. Okay. Okay. So first... We'll, we'll just talk a little tiny bit about the tree. Where'd the tree come from? Uh, we'll talk a lot about the tree because the tree is like my favorite. The, why do we have Christmas trees? Why do we have Yule trees? And it, once again, it starts with the Norse. Um, primarily, uh, they had the world tree, which was a yew tree. And it was Yggdrasil. And it basically connected the nine worlds. I'm not going to go through all nine of the worlds, but it connected the world of men, which is Midgard. And it connected Asgard, which is the world of the gods way up in the sky. And it connected Helheim down below. It also connected Alfheim where the elves lived and the dwarves lived around in there too. And, and then there was the world of the Jotunheim, the, the giants, the frost giants, they all lived and these places in the tree kind of connected everything. And that's how you got from one place to another is through the tree and over bridges and all sorts of things. And so Odin, in order to gain the wisdom of the runes, he hung himself on the tree upside down and cut out his eye. And uh, so he hung there for a very long time until the he gained the wisdom and so when people sacrificed to odin or thor they would hang the men and the animals from the trees and they um you know those garlands we put on trees the the pretty sparkly it's guts yeah <laughs> they they would they, they would take the entrails out and drape it around the the oak tree it's uh, my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, she she loves that. So it's kind of like deck the halls with bows and entrails. <laughs> la, la, la 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 That's not jolly. It's <laughs> super jolly. It depends on your point of view. So and which one of you is the one with the guts? I mean, the person with the guts hanging out is not jolly. That's, that's yeah. Not jolly. yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, that's true. That's true. Um. And and the druids in in England and the British Isles, they also had things hanging from trees that were kind of creepy. So Saint Boniface 
in you know in the umpteenth i don't remember what century i didn't write it down i'm bad he basically got the druids to stop with the sacrificing and hanging things from trees stop it (laughs) and he uh he said hey let's hang other stuff from an evergreen tree let's not put stuff in oak trees let's do evergreen trees because it's triangle shaped and that's the trinity and that's the father the son and the holy spirit I don't think the Druids really believed him, but... I think the Druids went, hey, it's evergreen. This shows that the that Earth it, is alive all the time through winter. Cool, we'll roll with that. Yeah, that's probably what they they went They were like, yeah, Father, Son, Holy, whatever. Yeah. Dude, the history of Christmas is essentially like Christians convincing pagans. They trawled around, collected a bunch of weird traditions, made them their own, and took some of the guts out. Yeah, and then the pagans Most of the guts. sort yeah. of nodded so. and smiled and went, of course, of course, and like put just enough of a veneer of Christianity onto everything that like the priests would leave them alone so they could keep being pagany. And yeah. then just you kind of gradually it just grew into this organic weird conglomeration of all this up. stuff. It, remi- it makes me think of Olaf. From Frozen, uh huh, yeah, okay, yeah, it does his own thing <laughs> exactly. That's really what it was. Yeah. Well, and and the funny thing with the the whole it you know pagan Christian you know you're talking about Norway and the Norse, mm-hmm. they they were among the the last parts of Europe to go. Okay, okay, we'll convert. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, but you know, their crosses, if you flipped them over, were Thor's hammers. Mm -hmm. So they were really kind of obvious about it as compared to, you know, the Italians or the the Germans. There was a B in their subtle. Yeah. Yeah. They pronounced the B, subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Other people were subtle. I mean, would you argue heavily with Vikings if you were the lone monk in charge of that parish? Mm-mm. Or would you go, okay, looks enough like a cross, not going to worry about it. Have a good day, Sven. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, be Don't like, you know? It's <laughs> fine. Y'all know the pattern, Oster? Okay, sweet. I'm going to leave now. Yeah, talk. Bye-bye. like i would not be i mean there were there were definitely like massive fire in the belly reformers oh yeah who were Mm -hmm. out to convert pagans and fix things but i mean you know and then the the whole red white and and green christmas colors the tree being the evergreen is green and white is snow Snow was important, and we'll talk, Perchta, I'm going to bring her up again, Perchta, or Mother Holy, which is another name she was known by in Germany, Halla or Holy. Um, she brought the snow, and snow was important back then because if you didn't get enough snow in the winter, it didn't keep the roots of the plants warm, and it didn't give you enough water to really start your crops. You needed the snow melt so that you could plow and so that you could plant your seeds, plant your grains. 
So it was really important that you got enough snow. I mean, horrible amounts of snow was bad too. I mean, farmers just, they, they were dependent upon the weather. So there's all sorts of, yeah, there's all sorts of, of, you know, things that you had to do to propitiate the weather gods. Well, and I I think even today with farmers, it is so weather dependent that you, I could very well see people finding any ritual, like it's any ritual you can figure out to make sure that you have a solid yield to feed your family, your town, that you would do that because everything depends on your yield yes. and the rain and the wind. And that is, you know, in a world where that is completely out of your control, you find yes. the things you can do to control them. And you, you work your utmost to do yeah. that. And so that's the white is, is that. And uh, then the, the red and white are the Amanita muscaria mushrooms, which that's probably part of why Santa has a red and white suit. And uh, the mushrooms, interestingly, are eaten by reindeer. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things. And <laughs> reindeer, reindeer eat it, get stoned and go nuts. <laughs> and they do. They go, they they go, go wild. Crazy. They go crazy. And the Siberian shaman saw this and so they copied that or they drank reindeer pee which is another way that they it's another way to get it yeah yeah they would get the 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 uh alkaloid yeah and they would have visions and in siberia at least the shaman when they drum and get their visions after eating the amanita they would go up through the smoke hole of their it's not a yurt, but it's like a yurt that they lived in at the time. And they go up through the smoke hole and that's how they went to the upper world. And that's kind of, we're coming to Santa now. Santa go, does what? He goes down the chimney to bring presents and he wears red and white. And he's kind of also sort of Odin or Wotan. And he's leading the wild hunt up there, flying in the sky. And it yep. sled yeah. pulled But he's on, he's on Schleppner, not... Um, he is not on Schleppner. This is true. He is no. on Schleppner. Well, Odin is, but Santa yeah. isn't. Santa, right. Santa turned to the eight reindeer instead of an eight-legged right. horse. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but he, he also... Santa used to also be kind of a wild man sort of figure. Um, and, uh, he also used to bring in some parts of Germany, he brings the Christmas tree. And this is a very personal story for me, as is the wild man guy. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. My family's, my dad's family is from Germany. His grandfather came from Germany. So, um, a lot of the old world traditions, particularly around Christmas, survived even down to my generation. And it was mostly through my dad's aunts who who taught me this stuff. But my dad and my mom and the freaking Christmas tree every year. My mom very much wanted the Christmas tree up right after Thanksgiving. Like, because she loves Christmas trees and loves Christmas. And her family also had some fairly recent immigrants in it. Her grandfather had come from England 
And I think that it's more usual at, you know, December 1st in England to put your tree up. So she was like, oh, I want to put the tree up. And dad is like, no, the tree comes on Christmas Eve. And she's like, what? And he's like, Santa brings the tree. And she's like, Santa does not bring the tree. <laughs> and, 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 and she was like, we put up the tree. And he's like, no, Santa brings the tree. And, and, and she was like, what do you mean Santa brings the tree? You know, this argument is going on in front of me. So he's like, yeah. you wait until the kid goes to bed and we put up the tree because Santa brought it. Well, how does he get it through the chimney? She says, he's like, okay, look, if you're going to believe a fat guy goes through the chimney, you got to <laughs> believe the magic that he can bring the tree too. But every year, every year they would compromise about a week or two before Christmas, we would put up the tree the whole time. He, he would, never was happy about it though. He, and he would tell me every year, when I was a little boy, Santa brought the tree. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it makes me happy. I, I don't know why. And I didn't have to put the tree up with you. Santa brought it. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, even I remember this argument. Oh, yeah. They, they, they probably, you know, still had it when you were little. Um, and they made sure to decorate the tree with the glass candle lights. Yes, that came from Germany. But did you have the pickle? We no, the pickle. We didn't have the pickle. I don't know why we didn't have the pickle. I don't know if that it was, was never. The pickle was never discussed by my great aunt, so I don't know. But but they did tell me about Belsnickel, and Belsnickel was a kind of wild guy that was like Krampus or um, the Perkton who follow Santa around and they wear bells. And it was a thing in the United States up until the 1920s, I think. And it happened in West Virginia. It happened in Pennsylvania. Um, I think it happened in Maryland as well. Anywhere, and probably Ohio because Germans settled around here. If it's German, it happened in Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 So basically it was guys would wear rags and furs and, and darken their face and they'd run around with bells on and bang pots and pans outside your door and sing songs loudly. And you're supposed to give them uh, cookies and donuts and cider, probably hard cider. Oh um, yeah. But I remember my 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 aunt Emma and Aunt Florence telling me about Belsnickel, you know, because the, and they'd ask my dad, "Did you tell her about Belsnickel?" And he was like, "I didn't even get to see Belsnickel," you know. He's like, "It was it, nobody was doing that by the time I was a kid," and and she was like, "Oh, it's it's so sad because Belsnickel was was exciting and it was a big thing." Um, but Santa was kind of a wild man like that too. Um, and that's probably coming from, you know, having been related to Odin at one point. Have, have you seen, um, I did it again. I knew it until I spoke. <laughs> Rise of the Guardians. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. is the wild man Santa and yes. all of that. And they have Santa. everything in it. So listeners, if you haven't seen it, you must. 
Oh, it's a really it's, good movie to watch with kids if you have it kids. It really is. It is really good. Even Since this episode is not really a good kid kids. episode. Yeah. We're not being too terrible. No, no. But <laughs> but uh that's really good. And if you watch Netflix at all, if you get Netflix, there's a show called Hilda on it. And the second season of it, she uh has the Yule lads, which are the Yule Neeson. Um, and she has Grilla, which is sort of like Perkta, only worse. Um, it's an Icelandic uh, winter witch ogress who wakes up and eats ch naughty children. She's not very mm -hmm. nice. Um, and so I think we're going to come to Krampus. Ooh. I was going to say, one more show on Netflix that's really good is Klaus. It is a, it's animated. It's great. It's for kids. Yeah, Hilda it's, is is animated and, and yeah. fun for kids. It's very Norse and yeah. um, very folkloric. It's fun. Klaus brings in Sami traditions, which is the um, polar region of uh, Norway, Finland, par parts of Russia, and I want to say yes. Sweden. They're yes. the reindeer herders. They don't really have many Christmas traditions. Yes, they herd reindeer, but they mostly sacrifice and eat them. So <laughs> they're not very Christmassy. <laughs> I mean, as <laughs> this is pretty, pretty gnarly. It's true. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we eat cows. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's just. It's not the warm, fuzzy relationship that people want to think. That no, humans no. have with reindeer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they are beautiful, though. Reindeer, the reindeer. Okay, I'm like Rusami are. Yeah, they're beautiful too. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> they're That's, the people, they're the people from Frozen too. Yes, and in fact. Everybody who's listening to this has probably already heard that they were at the Sami were actually consulted on um, the parts of Frozen that dealt with them. And that song is Yoik, which is their music, which is less about the words than about the feeling behind the music itself. Which is just awesome. So. And that's heartwarming as heck. Yeah, I I cry every time I see that song comes on. I tear up. I cry at both movies. It just it's neat for me because my kids. So. Yeah. No. You're yeah. so squishy. I am. Don't tell anybody. You big squishy, squishy, squishy lady. We squishy. won't. We won't tell anybody. Just Don't everybody be. who's listening to this. Squishy as I stab you. Just kidding. No. <laughs> Stabby, stabby. You would have to catch me, and you're probably fast enough to catch me, but I would shinny up a tree. <laughs> Fair. And you you got stuck on a fence, so I feel pretty confident. I, I did get stuck on a fence. That was very that was a very humbling experience. Uh, it's a moment I realized how old I was is when I got on top of the fence and realized I gotta get down, and nothing <laughs> about that. Seemed like a happy experience. So I just sat on the fence for like 20 minutes contemplating how much it was going to hurt when I hit the ground. So that's how old I am. I can get up the fence. Getting down sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it 
and I took it I cold enough that I don't go up the damn fence. <laughs> I find the damn gate. That's what That's I right. do. Well, the gate was so far away, and the fence was <laughs> right there. <laughs> and I will eventually be older, and I will not have enough sense to yeah. Yeah. get no, scared of getting jump off over the fence. Yeah, no, you'll get. You'll be like me. You'll be stuck into the fence, going. I, know I will not get stuck on the fence. I'm just and, gonna go to hell with it and jump and then hurt myself. <laughs> You're gonna text me and be like, "Remember when you got stuck in the fence?" Yeah, I read you. <laughs> I decided to not be. I decided to not be afraid of it, and now I have a broken ankle because I'm old. Yeah. I I I am foolhardy and old, which means <laughs> now I'm going to the hospital. Yeah. All right. Before you go to the hospital, tell us about Krampus. Okay. Um, to tell you about Krampus. I have yeah. to tell you about my new favorite German word. Uh-oh. Which Here is Kinderschreck figure, which oh. translates as child terror figure, which explain which is a huge thing. Particularly in Bavaria, which is where our family, part of our family's from. And yep. this explains yep. so many things. So much about the appropriate types of stories to tell young me from my grandfather and my mother yep and this is just ah because (laughs) our our family came from the black forest yep yep and this also explains so much why is it called the black forest i i don't actually know probably because evil is dark it's dark (laughs) In there. You know, I'm kind of digging it because I live in the reclaimed black swamp. Yeah. Yep. Mm. <laughs> so these child terror figures were extremely common. Perchta is is one. Um, Krampus is one. The Perkton are some. And a child terror figure was essentially both a parenting tool. And I, I think also a warning, like a sensible warning about like do's and don'ts to survive in the Black Forest and the Alps and on the farm and generally, you know, when you're living on a subsistence level on a farm and y'all got to all pull your weight. And so these figures would, you know, badge stuff would happen to you if you didn't finish your dinner, if you didn't go to bed, if you didn't do your work, if you beat up on your brothers and sisters, if you wouldn't go to bed or you would sleep too late. All of these had consequences. And one of those consequences was St. Nicholas. But St. Nicholas is Santa! I can hear everyone asking me. No. St. Nicholas is not Santa, which obviously we all know this in this podcast here right now. He is he is a real saint. He is this Catholic saint. He gave rise to Santa, which in America we do call him jolly old Saint Nick, too. He's not really that jolly in Europe. No. Mm-mm. Although he is cool because he brought some boys back to life. We got back to the dead babies. It, going back to dead babies. Mom, do you want to explain the, oh, the babies? Oh, yes. So St. Nicholas uh, lived in a small town in what's now Turkey, and it was called Myrna. And uh, there was a famine, and the famine was bad. And when 
when when the famine happened, little boys started disappearing. And they didn't know what was happening. So St. Nicholas, who was a rich man, decided he was going to go find out. I guess he, he was like, I don't know, Sherlock Holmes or something. But he finds this butcher who's catching these little boys and chopping them up and putting them in a pickle barrel with with brine. And, Is and this why the pickles? Maybe Is that's why the they're Christmas pickles. Because it's, oh my God. It's I never dead, understood dead the baby, pickle. Dead, dead schoolboy pickle. Oh, oh, oh. Pickle, anyway. Pickle boy. Pickle anyway. Boy. Anyway, so St. Nicholas finds these poor children and pulls them out and reassembles them and brings them back to life and then beats up the, the butcher and drags him off for justice and kills him himself and all that that's one of his things that he did. He also started giving uh money to people because he found out this really poor man had three daughters and he was going to sell them into prostitution. So at night he walked past this old this this guy's house and threw money, bags of money into their shoes at the fireplace where they'd left them to dry. So that's where finding uh, presence in your shoes in in some countries or in your stockings came from. So he saved he saved women from prostitution, girls from prostitution, and boys from pickling, and <laughs> which is where we. Get, I've, I'm going to go to my grave believing that's why there's a Christmas pickle now. <laughs> I I like that explanation and 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 I'll use it from now on. <laughs> I mean, and the truth is, they don't know the origin of the story. So that very well could be the origin yeah. of the story. Um, if anybody does know, though, please let us know. Because I would like an explanation for the Christmas pickle. Yeah. We yeah. have a Christmas pickle. Our uh, old neighbors, I miss them. Our old neighbors gave us a Christmas pickle. That's, that's really so cute. cute. Yeah. So that was St. Nicholas. That That was his miraculous stuff that he did. You know... And aside, it dawns on me that a lot of the like Christmas Christmas traditions in the old world were about obedience, and obedience yes. was keeping you alive. Yes, yes. But yes. you look at American traditions, and what's it about? Consumerism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, oh, I'm not necessarily. It's just an interesting correlation. Such it might a not new thing. thing. Yeah. American Christmas. Because it wasn't always that bad, I don't think. I think I honestly, we had a very stark Christmas. Not stark. We just didn't do a lot of gift giving. Like my friends would have piles of gifts, and we got a few things. Which, looking back, I kind of preferred that. Yeah, I'm glad my mom didn't go crazy. Like we'd each get you know one or two things from Santa, but we'd go to somebody else's house, and it was just gobs of stuff and i'm like holy crap that's a lot but yeah but yeah i wonder and i wonder if that had you know goes back to the what is it the 30s campaign where they came up with the they went to um a norwegian artist and asked for the rendition of santa and that's where coca-cola got the red and white santa that we now know today the original art is no longer around, but that's where our version of Santa comes from. Is that drawing from the uh, 1930s? 
Yeah. I can see that. And the whole reindeer thing, come pulling the sleigh, comes from a poem, a poem. in the 1800s. Yes. It seems yes. like a lot of... 19th century. Yeah. It seems like a lot of the modern kind of Santa Christmas stuff comes from the 1800s, the mid-1800s. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was the late 1800s, actually. Okay. I'm also going to blame the Victorians a little bit because they sanitized so much yeah. of not just Christmas, but Christmas <laughs> and fairy tales and just everything. They sanitized everything but themselves. <laughs> well, they tried to sanitize themselves. Look at you know, the, the Kellogg's guy. Yeah, point. Yeah. Um, so I, I do wonder about that. Because yeah. I'm, I we I got so distracted by the dark roots of Christmas that I did not trace this thread all the way up. So next year we should we do should the modern more modern. We should go into yeah. modern Christmas. Yeah, but, we, we can do that. Yeah, because that's actually what I kept running into was the you know the more modern some of the more modern stuff. Because like I said, a lot of our modern stuff comes from um, uh, some of the Norwegian traditions and a lot of that aside from the the deep dark stuff it tends to be like the red and white santa so yeah. tends to be what we turn to yeah so. which makes sense i mean i think part of it honestly is we are not working with our hands to grow food and hunt food and we can just go to the store and buy things like you you are you are desperate in different ways now you live in a very different way now and so i think that might be some of why our traditions have been changing, particularly in America, because we're also a weird cultural melting pot of just bizarre All things. Yeah. So it's like, it'd be an interesting research, industrialization and in the um, evolution of Christmas. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that, that that's, it's been done. Interesting yeah. Thing. yeah. Because yeah, I mean, like, you were saying if you if farmers have to rely on the weather and they're going to make sure to make farming and weather gods happy the advent of fertilizer and yep. like a dead deer in the corner of my field and that year i had a great yield so now every year there's gonna be a dead deer in the corner of that field yeah exactly I, like you I, just yeah. You, as we've gained technology, we've been able to shape nature more and more. And it's less of a, we're at the mercy of nature and more we're subjugating it. We oh, feel we are. We feel that. But it's yeah. Yeah. really, yeah. Climate, we just had a lot of wildfires to show. Right. Climate change is going to kick our butts. Oh, for yeah. yeah. That's, that's nature going, yeah, right. We've yeah. been very patient with you. And I mean, there there is a hurricane out in the Atlantic right now. And it's December. Yeah. It's almost Christmas. Wow. And there's still a hurricane floating around. Making making all sorts of nasties. I have a friend who runs a year-round haunted house down in New Orleans. <laughs> She's like, I am done. Done. Putting things out and picking them up. I'm done. 
<laughs> I feel so bad for her. <laughs> okay, back to Krampus. Yeah, sorry. Wait, no, I, I enjoy all of our diversions. Yay. Um, so St. Nicholas is part of where we get Santa. Um, he, I believe, is where we get Santa's naughty and nice list. Yes. Because St. Nicholas... Also, St. Nicholas got involved with Christmas because, at least in the Alpine regions, because, uh, well, everybody was having way too much fun with Perchta and the Perkton and fertility celebrations <laughs> around this time of year, back in the early Middle Ages and Middle Middle Ages. And in some regions that were fairly isolated uh, in the late Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah. So, again, as we've talked about how Christmas is this pagan versus Christian struggle between no, no, be good and okay, we'll slap a veneer on. And so you, we can all nod and smile and say, yes, yes, we're doing what you want. Shoo, shoo, shoo. Um, so St. Nicholas, who's... I don't know if it's his feast day is near this or what. It's December 6th. Yeah, his feast day is in December. So he got involved. And the way they started to drag attention away from the old fertility festivals was with the nativity plays and the epiphany plays where they would act out the story of Jesus being found in the major and Herod killing everybody. And thank God Kendra wasn't there to steal the, the baby, baby Jesus. Well, and part two of the whole manger incident was once she got savvy to the Jesus, I started moving the wise men to the eastern side of the house because the wise men don't show up till Epiphany, which is January 6th. This never goes well with my mom. I actually bought her a scene with a pregnant Mary and no wise men. <laughs> that makes me so happy. I love that you put them in the eastern part of the house. I do. <laughs> and then my brother-in-law has this really serious Christmas thing that he does. And I like touched one of his wise men and I thought he was going to cut my hands off. I'm like, Oof. oh, <laughs> sorry, Steve. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. And then there's the, the nativity scene we got given, even though I'm not Christian, you're oh. not Christian, and Zach Okay. Is I'll it have can to, be so pretty, though. I, this one wasn't pretty. I have... Oh, pretty. my God. They looked like weebles. They looked like weebles. Um, it wasn't, like, It wasn't given to us. It was given to my husband, who is Jewish. We are going to go far afield now. I am going to tell a story on my mother. So this started decades ago. This started oh when Morgana was I will eventually 10 years old. About Krampus, but this you is will talk about Krampus. This is hilarious. So we were at my mother's house Christmas morning. We were there to pick up Morgana and take her back to our place in Maryland. And we had Christmas morning at my mom's house because it was just easier. Morgana hadn't gotten there. She was still at her father's house. So we're sitting there. Zach is eating a cookie. My father is reading the newspaper. 
He hides behind the newspaper it's, a lot. It's a force field. It them. is a force field. And my mother was cooking breakfast. And Zach was reading the uh, Boondocks book that I had gotten him that was signed by the amazing and wonderful and talented Aaron Magruder. And because he lived in the same town we did and he happened to be in the bookstore one day and I'm like, would you please sign this? <laughs> and so uh, we're sitting there minding our own business. And my mother calls from the kitchen, Zach, <laughs> are you going to call your parents? Zach looks up and looks at me and I look at him and my dad pulls one corner down from the newspaper and peers over it and looks at Zach. And Zach says, uh, and then my dad says, Judy, they're Jewish. I know that, but are you going to call your parents? <laughs> and Zach was like, uh, no. Well, why not? My dad takes a very deep breath and says, because they're Jewish. Well, I know that. And Zach said, why would I call them? It's Christmas. And I went, oh my God, mom, they're Jewish. That's why he's not calling them. Jewish people don't celebrate Christmas. Well, but Jesus was Jewish. I'm like, oh my God. It's not like they celebrate it as his birthday. It's not like Moses's birthday is celebrated. They're Jewish. They're Jewish. They do not celebrate Christmas. Jesus is Jesus was Jewish. Yes. I, and I told you that many times when I was a child. And, and, and I used that to get rid of anti-Semitism in my general direction. But no, you don't. It, they don't celebrate Christmas. And then she was like, she comes in and she peers around the corner and she says, well, what do they do? And Zach looked up and said, go to the movies and eat Chinese food. <laughs> okay. So that happened. And then when my There's younger so child went like that with grandma, with Grammy, like, when, there were so many and that happened <laughs> and then, my, my younger child was born and was what two two years old when they came for christmas yes because the wean was galumphing yeah he he had he had gotten to the mobile stage yeah he was Highly two or three stage. he was two or three um and my mother had given Zach, two things of note. One was the chanter for a uh, bagpipe, which is the part that you that you play, not the thing that you stick under your mm -hmm. armpit and make the drone sounds come out of. And she said, I want you to learn how to play Amazing Grace on this. So when I die, you can play it at my funeral. And he said, okay, and proceeded to figure out how to play Amazing Grace on it. In um, like an hour. <laughs> and I believe quipped, so now you can die whenever, Judy. 
god. And then, which or was that Poppy who said that? That was he that was, was set up at that, that point. That was my dad, and it was That's after right. she he after she gave up. after she gave the second present, which my dad prefaced with. I want you to understand, Zach, I had nothing to do with this, and I told her not to do it. And Zach was... And then just considered, continued drinking coffee and eating cookies and, and just shaking his head. Yeah, and he just stepped back. And Zach opened it, and it was a nativity scene. And we all just sat there and stared at it, and they looked like <laughs> little fat weebles. That's funny. They were they were ceramic, and she was like, "I thought it was just so cute." And I'm like, "Mom, this is not appropriate in any way." And oh she was like, God. "I just thought it was cute." And I'm like, mm. "Do you still have Jesus?" No, we we gave Dang. it away. Well, at Wait. first first we set it up with dinosaurs <laughs> we set it up and put dinosaurs and my little pony and the hanukkah shrub yes that we put a hanukkah shrub up with it and there was a, a star of david on top of the hanukkah shrub. it was a thing but then eventually we just gave it away oh and and we put bacon under the hanukkah shrub Yes. Nice, because it's it's not kosher. Yeah, nothing about that whole diorama was kosher, oh and and it was after that Zach came in an hour later and played Amazing Grace perfectly <laughs> on the chanter, <laughs> and my dad looked over and said, "Well, Judy, you can die now." <laughs> nice. This is this is oh, this God. is this is why Christmas is kind of dicey in my home. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's still a good time I oh mean, yeah it's just we just, also put up enough christmas lights that you can see our house from orbit see so that's why you're getting the christmas ufos <laughs> yeah, probably actually there's blinky lights for all we know we were sending signals yeah it's true the the star-shaped ones especially that oh, blink in all the different colors it was probably some kind of morse code Mm -hmm. It probably hey, we have curry and co all the cookies. <laughs> no, it probably said get it here or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Talk about Joe's. Okay. Yes. Eat so, carbs. Saint Nick. Well, Saint Nicholas, I will be respectful. And so Saint Nicholas got associated with these plays, which would be acted out by just everybody. <laughs> really <laughs> and would travel around the village and or they would originally have started at the church and then they started traveling and part of why this happened was because Percha and her Perkton were running about the Perkton were, were crazy wild men were hairy wild men with and horns and teeth and faces and um all the dudes would dress up like the Perkton and would run around and cause general mischief and mayhem. And chase the pretty girls. And chase the pretty girls and beat people with twigs for fertility. Again, we remember we said that way back at the beginning of this episode. I was like, there's, there's, there's birch twigs beating. Yep. 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 Um, all of this 
were supplanted by the Christmas plays, which I am not talking, which by the way, we still do the Christmas play thing to this yeah. day, but now we do it in elementary school and everybody is just like, why the hell is my kid a sheep? And yeah. not Mary. <laughs> like, why is Mary holding that doll by the ankle? Or why is Mary holding the doll wrong? <laughs> My kid is sad because they wanted to be the angel and they're a donkey. You know, but we still do this. However, we tend to stop our nativity plays in the elementary schools before we get to Herod's Slaughter of the Innocent, which back in the day was a huge part of this play. And it's my favorite Christmas carol came from that. Yes. The Coventry Carol comes from the Coventry Christmas play, and it it's talking about, you know, it's it's mothers singing to their babies right before Herod's soldiers come and, and kill them. And of course, I would love that morbid song. Again, we're apparently, this is just because part of our family is from the Black Forest, and these are some bloodthirsty, dour people. Yeah, yeah. Who had a whole lot of fun. But some of their fun was dress up in hairy robes with horns and, like, smack children <laughs> to frighten them into being decent. So is that where Krampus came from? Yes. Krampus came because, because St. Nicholas stole them from Perkta. St. Nicholas stole the Perchton and they became the Krampen and the Krampuses. Cool. And so St. Nicholas started, evolved from being part of the Christmas play. Who, because he would, he would started having lines and then, you know, you were going around and doing the house visits. And then all of a sudden, St. Nicholas had his own retinue. St. Nicholas had himself with his golden book in which it was recorded who was good and who was bad. And he had his Krampuses, which were the perched it, the Perkton. They just were, except they had bells on them now. Yeah. They had giant bells like the size of your head yeah. made out of iron strapped to their backs in hairy suits iron huh yep need mm. more cowbell big all <laughs> the cowbell and in fact there's another weird christmas moment that you just reminded me of which is the cow herds when going out of the fields when the season grazing season's over and the cows are all driven in for the winter <laughs> would hang all the bells on them and it was called ringing in the wolves because it it was ringing to say okay wolves they're inside the fields are yours for the winter yep and this also incidentally <laughs> germans are weird <laughs> if you were born on christmas eve or christmas day and you were male you were probably going to be a werewolf because werewolf happened at Christmas too. That's awesome. This is my favorite part. I, I, and now I'm And sad. I am so sad that I was not born. Exactly. I was about or, to say we're, that. We're women, so we probably wouldn't get to be werewolf. Are you kidding me? I would be an awesome werewolf. <laughs> if I am any kind of like dark supernatural creature, I would totally rock out being a werewolf. I would be the clumsiest werewolf. And I would no. be nearsighted, but I would try. You'd just hear this menacing giggle before you died. Exactly. <laughs> and not many people can manage giggling menacingly. 
of a menacing giggle. But anyway, so St. Nicholas would go around from house to house with his Krampus. And it wasn't usually just one. It was usually like one. It was like five Krampuses. With their Krampuses, I think. Yeah, they are. Krampen is actually how you would say it in German. Um, With their switches and their horsehair whips and their basket. And also in this retinue would be the angrel, which would be the angel, would come with you. And I bet that was perked at one time. And because Because it's a girl. She would wear white dresses and she had long white or blonde hair. Yes, and that's what the angrel would be. It would be a woman in a long white dress with long blonde hair. And then there was also the Christ kinder, which is another weird thing. Because the Christ child is a teenage girl. Uh, okay. Because again, this is a pagan thing. This is a pagan thing under I bet it was Saint thin, Lucia. Thin, thin sure. excuse of this is Christian. Did, <laughs> okay. she, did she have candles on her head? Yes. Yeah, Sometimes that's Saint Lucia. Or she would have candles, or she would have the crown of holly and oak, yep. and oak leaves, or That's ivy leaves. And I'm like, yep. this is just, this is just paganism. This is just yep. paganism that you're pretending is very Christian because you have a saint leading this procession. <laughs> there would also be the basket carrier, which this is separate from the Krampus basket. This is a basket full of goodies, and the basket carrier. Would be the wild mandel, literally the wild man or the woodsman, who was the green man. He had a mossy beard and raggedy outdoorsman's clothing, also covered in moss and bark and twigs. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who carried the goodies, and you would go house to house. And Saint Nick would knock on the door, the parents would open the door, your kids would be there already all assembled. And St. Nick would smack his book open. And he would be like, so, children. And stare at everybody. The Krampuses are, like, crowded in behind him, rattling their... Oh, they were also chained. Rattling their chains and ringing their bells and, like, growling. And, uh, uh, uh. With the angel being all like, oh. And the children would have to recite... Something they had learned. Remember that one of the miracles St. Nicholas performed was raising three schoolboys back from the dead. So another part of the Christian power struggle here was the original lessons that the kids had to recite would be religious ones. You know, bits of... The catechism, probably. Yeah, it was parts of the catechism that they would have to be able to recite or else they would not get the candy and they would get the Krampus. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, yeah. Yeah. And so once you recited all your lessons, if you did good, great. And if you'd been reasonably good all year, then... St. Nick would be like, okay, cool. And he would shut his book and he would be like, good job, children. And then he would move and then release the Krampuses. And they would have a great wild rumpus through your house. And if you had been a bad child, obviously your parents would have tipped off these people ahead of time. 
you would get the worst of it. You would get smacked. You would, in some parts of Germany, you would be dragged out of the house, thrown in the snow. In your nightgown. In your nightgown, with your clothes all torn. They would rub you with soot. They would dump you in horse troughs. Um, They would ransack your house. Like, break stuff, move your furniture, drag things outside. Pretty much just have a wild, wild rumpus. Until... Krampus you. We'll fetch a Krampus. Okay. So and then Captain Picard said. And then Captain Picard said, once the Krampuses had done their thing, you they would be called back into order, but not usually by Saint Nicholas, interestingly, you would think. Should be Saint Nicholas, it was usually the Christ child or the angel or the woodsman who would call them back to order. And they would kind of grudgingly fall no. back in line. Jingle, jingle, jingle. No. Well, clank, 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 really. Yeah. Iron These bells. These are bells. Um. <laughs> oh. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> And then the woodsman would hand out your treats, which would be like some chocolate and gingerbread and like maybe some marzipan and some fruit and nuts. And then you would go on to the next house and torture more children. Over and over and over. Until every house had been visited. There are also a thing that, by the way, this still happens in the Mm -hmm. Alps to this day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a thing in Bavaria. It's a thing in Austria. Um, they have whole parades. Yeah. Yeah. There are well, the I imagine part. there's still a level of obedience is required for survival because you get yeah. disobedient and you get lost in the snow, frozen in ice, fall down a waterfall. I watch exactly. a lot of Norwegian movies. Avalanche. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people freezing to death. But like, like you know. Like Ken was saying, I mean, survival would have been some level of obedience is necessary for survival. Like kids would get in trouble for wandering. Mm -hmm. We just talked about how there's a whole ringing the wolves in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And freezing to death, you know, not finishing your dinner, especially at the beginning of winter. When you need to put on fat. Yeah. Is a huge deal. Like parents would know, like, look, this may not be here in a month or so. You may start to get malnourished. You may not have enough to eat. If you don't eat enough, you can die. Yeah, eat your right. fucking food. <laughs> um, not completing your work. I mean, it's a substance. It's a subsistence farm or a subsistence charcoal burning or whatever. Mm-hmm. You gotta work. Everybody has to pull weight because everybody's consuming resources. You know, all don't bully, you know, your, your other siblings. siblings. We all rely on each other. Well, one of the interesting things is having lived in Madison for a particularly snowy winter. It was really bad that year. One of the things that you always knew was that that guy in the ditch, 
you're going to help him out of the ditch. Yeah. Because up the road, you're going to be in the ditch. And if it's, you know, 20 below zero, you don't have long that you're in that ditch before you're gone. Yeah. And there's much more of a community sense in winter because it, there's, there's very much the humans under strife become a strong uh, community because survival depends on it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I, I also think in a way the Krampen, the Krampen traditions are a way because with that sense of strife comes a strong sense of community but also a lot of stress i mean you're cooped up in the warm for long periods of time so i think there's a degree of community release when all the men in town who are of virile ish age get to strap on some bells and horns and chase each other and people and hit them with things and this is okay strapping on something right <laughs> well the the chase and the girl yeah yeah chase the pretty girls i mean there, there was a mm-hmm. there was a tradition in the cherokee people called the booger dancers and they that happened at the green corn festival which was your first corn harvest and it was boys and young men who would wear masks with these big noses on them they were made out of gourds and then they'd have hides and furs wrapped over them and they would dance around and they'd be these weird forest spirits, but mostly they chased the girls in a very suggestive fashion, especially with the noses. Um, and so when, when, you know, Morgana was saying, Oh, when they chased the girls, I was like, it's the booger mm-hmm. dancers. <laughs> I was like, booger wow. Dancers. That's what they called them. They also made fart jokes. There's lots of lots of fart jokes in the Cherokee people. Yeah, Um, made a lot of beans. And that's that's what I've got for like a a brief explanation of of the whole Krampus scenario. I feel like we covered the wild hunt. Oh, any other weirdness? The brief brief Krampus that lasted 45 minutes because I kept interrupting. (laughs) And then I had to tell the story about the lonely Jew at Christmas. (laughs) I am okay with it. I mean, the best Christmas present and most disconcerting Christmas present I received, aside from the lump of coal when I was 14, was for my brother. He handed me this little box. At my mom's house, he like walked across the room, very carefully handed it to me, and it opened it up, and there's a baby Jesus, like a really nice porcelain one. And I'm like, oh shit. One, where did you get this? Because he had that smile. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'm gonna add to the darkness of Christmas is I'm gonna talk about the Yule cat of Iceland. Yes! Because it's my favorite Christmas monster. Because, uh, you know, where did it come from? What does it do? It's kind of a jerk. It eats people who run around uh, Christmas after Christmas without new clothes on. Like if they have old clothes on and they're raggedy, he eats them. And I I just... I like that. Yeah, you're supposed to get your new knitted wool clothes and yeah. you're supposed to wear them after Christmas. If you don't wear them, you're, you're like ungrateful, I guess. And so if you're ungrateful, you get eaten. 
Um, and it's just a big giant sort of Norwegian forest cat looking thing, but it's, it's like, you know, as big as a house and it stalks through the streets. And if you see glowing eyes outside your window at night, it's the Yule cat. It was probably related to Freya's cats too. Probably. I, I guess. Brings it all in. Oh, and there, there is a moment kids do get their revenge by the oh, way. Really? Because there is a fest, there is a tradition called the Knocking Nights where kids roam through the streets pounding on doors and windows and walls, which is very Krampus on the roof pounding and the Perkton and the knockers uh, and <laughs> generally being awful. Um, it, for which they are bribed to not do this with, with treats treats and donuts. And if you don't give them treats and donuts, they tend to just like come back to your house and torture you. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids do kids do get to have like a moment where they can go mess with you. And also kids as young as 15 can be Krampus. Yes. Although it is it is still only boys in general. Who are allowed to be Krampus. So the poor children are not entirely <laughs> just, yeah. you know, learning about, you know, being obedient because it's part of your survival and also right. getting to participate in healthy fear. I think there is an element of like healthy, you know, this is scary, but it's not, I'm not actually going to get hurt. So this is a way to build bravery. Um, but they they do they do get to mess with adults, which I liked. Yes, mostly because I would have totally loved to have gone and knocking knighted people as a yes. child. I would have probably gone a little too far with that. Yes, you probably would have climbed on people's robes and stuff. yeah, and thrown stuff down their chimneys. Didn't yeah. we kind of do that though with Ding Dong Ditch? Yeah, or, yeah. Still a thing when you were. Because that was a big thing when I was growing up, is Ding Dong Ditch. Yeah, kind. I didn't do it very much. Explain Ding Dong Ditch for people who did not do that. Maybe we're too old. That could be. So basically, it was we when you were... The flaming bags of poo. No, we didn't do that. Yeah, you'd we... run up and you'd ring someone's doorbell and just run off and laugh at them when they answered the door. And sometimes you'd get somebody <laughs> and you'd do it so many... Maybe that's why boomers are so mad. <laughs> we ding dong ditch and you'd get that one that had just the right reaction that you'd just do it and do it and do it until they were like screaming profanities into the night that yeah. would have been my dad <laughs> oh yeah well he would have or my mom it yeah would've, it would have been your mom because she, she might have chased people poppy would have lurked yeah, yeah. he would have waited and scared him with something he would have yeah. waited with a garden hose and like a horse yeah. head mask or something. Yeah. yeah. Like See, that's actually horses. awesome. Yeah. Because that's like a good way to scare the kids off without, you know, nobody's being threatened to be sh shot or beaten. It's just like, oh, you know, harmless fun knocking on a door, harmless retribution by hitting them with a hose at 20 degrees outside. Right. <laughs> We'll learn today. Yeah. Maybe that's what we're missing in society is safe risk taking because everything seems like it just ends with yeah. some 
terrible consequences at times. Maybe and we need some Krampus. We need some big community releases of community-sanctioned, yeah. safe stress relief and a sense of play. Yeah. That's also... Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what this... It's a... The whole of the Christmas season is a season of mischief. That's what... And that's what Saturnalia was. And that's yeah. what the Twelfth Night parties and stuff were about. Epiphany was about topsy-turvy... Turning the baby down and 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 having fun and mischief. And the I Lord mean, of Misrule. The whole 12 days of Christmas was like that. Yeah. And mumming. And can anybody explain the gray mare thing from Wales to no. us? Because no. I have yet to figure out why that's a thing. Nope. It's I have cool. <laughs> friends whose mom was Welsh, I can ask. Because yeah. we'll I save that for next year. Yeah. Know what but, that is. I know that, that it's a mumming thing. Yeah. And, and, and it, it involves a horse skull and a sheet, but and it just creepily knocks on windows and sticks its head in windows if they're open and just goes yeah. around in the night, which is awesome. But creepy. But why? Yeah. I, I don't know. So what have we learned here? Um, one of the things we've learned is that the winter holidays are all about the tension and balance between the darkness and the light. And whether you celebrate Christmas, Yule, Hanukkah, Eid, Diwali, or Kwanzaa, lighting the lights, candles, colored lights, or a light-up tree are a major part of the holiday. So... Light the lights, sing the songs, feast, give gifts... Most importantly, light the lights, especially in 2020. And dumpster fires don't count as lighting the lights, not even for this year. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is kind of iconic for this year, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can't appreciate the light without darkness. And after a year as dark as this one we really look forward to the return of the light we hope everyone has a happy and safe holiday stay inside be warm be careful and hold your loved ones close and we'll return again in the new year with lots of cool new episodes until next year keep your eyes on the skies keep a candle in your window feed your neeson and don't talk to the yule cat yeah, just throw them some uh, catnip and run. Cats are such jerks. <laughs>